But she got so paranoid Her place I would avoid As in love with a girl of marijuana As in love with a girl on cocaine She had everything going but her brain We talk endlessly for hours But by morning it goes sour As in love with a girl on cocaine Through ecstasy, crystal meth and glue I found no drug compares to you All these pills, all this weed I don't know just what I need As in love with a girl on LSD She'd see things I'd never see She broadened her perspective Then I got more selective As in love with a girl on LSD Through ecstasy, crystal meth and glue I found no drug compares to you All these pills, all this weed I don't know what I need I was in love with a girl who drank beer Till bad breath and all she disappeared She was blowing up real bad But when she left I was still sad in love with a girl who drank beer As in love with a girl on China Way We were married for a year one night Her memory still lingers Cause I burned all my fingers As in love with a girl on China Way With a girl who drank coffee There's times when I couldn't keep her off me That caffeine got her going But her ugly side was showing As in love with a girl who drank coffee As in love with a girl who was a dealer I was afraid somebody'd come and steal her We never used to fight But the phone rang day and night I was in love with a girl who was a dealer Sure as hell, she got popped by the big guys No, I'm just getting warmed up Happy to see you again.
Don't be nervous. Don't be rocky. You're our teenage guest is jockey now. And let me begin by wishing you a beautiful look. Did that voice inside you say, I've heard it all before. It's like deja vu all over again. Wednesday, June 21st, 2023. Hi. This is JC, and you are at jconthelinecom Summer arrives today. years ago for the first time i saw a video of mungo jerry the people who sing in the summertime who sang in the summertime and uh, a guy looked like a homeless person remember that guy ted williams they found in columbus ohio just along the side of the road turned out they had a really tremendous set of pipes and uh, i think they even gave i think Kraft hired him to do some uh i don't know couple of commercials or something like that and that was the end of that but that's sort of what the guy looked like he looked uh shall we say unkempt let's leave it at that then again it was 1970 it was sort of all like that summer the best season i don't know how anybody can argue against that i always get these people i just love autumn yeah and autumn can be pretty but you know the first thing i think of is raking leaves and that's a lot of work summer's not about work summer's about fun Fall is about work. Well, we got to tie things down for the winter. Goddamn leaves. And then you start getting freezing rain and ice. And the next thing you know, it's uh, Thanksgiving. You got a bunch of people in your house. When are they going to leave? So don't try to tell me how great fall is. Summer is the best, period. Don't argue with the host. No, I, you know, I'm serious. How can, you, how can you argue against summer being the best season and don't give me that stuff about autumn? Remember right before grandma died and uh, she seemed to take on this sort of interesting glow? That's what fall is. That's what autumn is. It gives you these uh, pretty colors for a couple of weeks. And the whole thing is just a precursor to everything dying. Flowers, dead. Trees, bare. Sun, not working the way it's supposed to anymore. It's cold out. Next thing you know, it's the holiday season. Now you're buying a bunch of stuff you can't afford for a bunch of people you don't even like. You know what we say now? I got through the holidays. Well, I got through the holidays. Since when do the holidays something that we have to get through? No, no, no. Give me summer. Give me lots of summer. And 
Sunday, they're saying not only will it be scorching, the weather guys are doing a dumb thing. They're like, I'm putting 95 here, but I think it's probably going to be warmer than that. Well, then put the number that you think it's going to be. You're the weather forecaster. Why are you telling me 95 if you think it's going to be 99? That doesn't even make sense. At soccer match, it's going to be sticky out there tonight. There's a player I don't really follow soccer. I, I think it's exciting and interesting, you know, what's happening with uh, St. Louis City SC. But beyond that, I, I'm just not that interested. But they got a guy on the team. He's only 18 years old. His name is Migzy Perez. Migzy Perez, 18 years old. Sort of looks like a younger, more a little cleaned up, more version of Pete Davidson. He'll be out there tonight. The Cardinals, Jesus, I don't know if they would just play like that every night. We wouldn't have any problems, would we? You know, about everything that you can do right or wrong in a baseball game, the Cardinals did right last night. 9-3 the final. Two dingers for Dylan Carlson. Paul DeYoung with a two-run shot. Remember when everybody was ready to run Paul DeYoung out of town? Yeah, he wasn't any good for us anymore. He wasn't any, he wasn't useful anymore. Look what he's doing. And he's made a couple of defensive plays in the last couple of weeks, including one last night that ought to go on his highlight reel. Plus, he gets a two-run homer. And and Wilson can trash. Now, let me just say, there's a ball game this afternoon, and don't be surprised if you see this resurface in this game today. Miles Michaelis going to get the start. But Wilson Contreras went 3-for-3 three three last night. He's finally feeling good about himself. You know, this is a passionate baseball player. I watched him for years with the Cubs and people who are insisting that this was a terrible move on the part of the Cardinals, look, everybody's been playing like crap. Who's out there really playing well every single night? Even Nolan Arenado, his defensive numbers are down. Paul Goldschmidt, who they keep, I keep hearing these rumors, that we're going to trade him, but Paul Goldschmidt, he just came off like a 0 for 25. So quite a few members of this team are underperforming. I don't know. It's just Wilson Contreras came from the Cubs. So people right away, you know, being rougher on him than he would probably be with anybody else. He's replaced Yachty. Everybody adored Yachty. So you never want to be that guy coming in after a legend. But Wilson Contreras said, I'll take a shot at it. Then they had that ridiculously embarrassing situation with John Mazalock and Ollie Marmel. Where they're like, yeah, well, we're not gonna, you're not gonna be a catcher anymore. We may have you warm up the, the pitchers in the bullpen or something. He's like, what the hell is going on with this team? But anyhow, so they've they've seemingly righted the ship a little bit. It's nice to see him win a couple of games here. But uh, you know, Wilson Contreras three for three last day comes up to bat in the ninth inning and they plunk him and he wasn't happy about it. And I don't blame him. Now, as far as the All Star balloting is concerned, Nolan Arenado. First place at third. Nolan Gorman in third place over at second base. When Frank Caliendo, the great comedian and impressionist and a great friend of the show, and I just saw Frank about a year and a half ago, and you know we had a really nice talk. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. And he, when he goes and plays anywhere in Dallas or Houston or Amarillo or any place like that, he always walks out on stage. And the first thing he says is, hey, I love your country. Everybody cheers and laughs and applauds and everything like that. But it is true. It's it's a really, really strange place. In a lot of ways, it, it, it shouldn't even be connected to the United States. And the weirdest thing about Texas is you get people from Iowa who move down to Texas and they start talking like I am and they get themselves some boots and a cowboy hat and suddenly, uh, yeah, well, I'm actually a Texan now. 
I mean, look at George W. Bush. He was raised in Maine. But you talk like that. You talk like that. Well, you know, I was in Texas for a couple of years. This is what people do. Start changing their dialect. There's too many Texans in Texas. That's the problem. So they haven't done a Pride Week or a Pride Night at the ballpark in Dallas since 2003. And the reason why is because the last one they did, all these nutty Texans started jumping up and down and complaining about it. We don't want old gays in Texas. Right, right, right. You see Brokeback Mountain. Okay, it wasn't in Texas, but they were cowboys. So the Rangers, the only team in all of Major League Baseball not to have a pride night. last one they did was 2003 because of the backlash. And I don't know, I almost want to grab Shailene Woodley, Olivia Munn, and Danica Patrick and look them straight in the eye and go, yeah, you guys realize you dodged a bullet. Yeah, it would have been nice to be the one who finally you know, landed this bachelor with all the money and all of the notoriety and everything. But he's nuts. You know, he's nuts. Good quarterback, but he's nuts. Somebody ought to lock his deprivation tank from the outside next time. Get this. So, uh, by my calculations, he made about just short of a half a billion dollars if you add up all of his salaries playing in the National Football League. $450 million just from playing football. So, he has this idea. Are you familiar with IMDb? It's the movie Database. Well, he wants to do one of those things for athletes. So it would be an IMDb of sports figures. Not the worst idea I've ever heard, by the way. But the weird part about it is, even though he made $450 million from playing football, he set up a crowdfunding page because he wants our money for him to be able to start up this thing. He wants our money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ain't happening. Um Speaking of people making obscene amounts of money, Denise Richards started an OnlyFans page. Now, I've looked at some of this OnlyFans stuff, and I, the idea of paying for porn just doesn't uh, appeal to me. If you want porn, there's so much free stuff. Yeah, and the OnlyFans stuff is a little more targeted, a little more focused, and tends to be, from what I'm told, I'm not on it because I ain't going to pay. But I'm told that the the quality of it is, in in a lot of cases, a lot better than what you normally see. And you can always, you know, sort of develop a quote-unquote relationship with the person in it. Sorry, I still ain't paying. Denise Richards, who is now, I believe, 54 years old, is making $2 million a month on OnlyFans. And her daughter, Sammy, who is uh, the daughter of Charlie Sheen, makes $80,000 a month. There's Denise right now. Denise, I told you not to call me here. Now, you add that up. Just the Denise Richards thing, it's $24 million a year. And she doesn't even show anything. She's making $2 million a month on OnlyFans without so much as an exposed nipple. What's this world coming to? Summer is here, and so here come the outdoor music festivals. There's going to be a thing in Southern California, Huntington Beach, just south of Los Angeles, called Darker Waves. And you're going to have New Order, Tears for Fears, the B-52s, Echo and the Bunny Men, Devo, Soft Cell, Psychedelic Verse, OMD, English Speed. It goes down Saturday, November, November 18th. That's not summer. That's fall. Tickets go on sale on Friday. 
Well, we sold the tickets during the summer. No, that doesn't make it a summer concert. That's a week before Thanksgiving. Series premiered today of Secret Invasion. This is on Disney+. Plus. Nick Fury returns to Earth after he discovers a conspiracy amongst the shape-shifting aliens called the Skrulls to infiltrate key positions of power and take over our planet. Samuel L. Jackson, Kobe Smulders, Martin Freeman. Oh, Amelia Clark's in this, too. And Whitney Cummings who is a funny comedian, I can take her in small doses. She's just so noisy and so abrasive. Too many female comedians feel like they have to do that. they got to get on stage and act all raunchy. I mean, look at Nikki Glaser, for God's sakes. Anyhow, Whitney Cummings is pregnant, and they say there's no word on the father. I wonder if she knows. All right, birthdays today. When they asked Bruce Springsteen, what are you listening to these days? You know, anything really sort of float your boat? He said, oh, like in this Lana Del Rey record. She's 38 today. Prince William, 41. Chris Pratt, 44. Juliet Lewis. She's sort of creepy. 50. Nils Lofgren from the E Street Band, 72. Meredith Baxter and Michael Gross. Together on Family Ties, both with the exact identical birth date. They're both 76 today. Ray Davis of the Kinks, 79. Bernie Capel from the Love Boat is 90. I record those things on MeTV every Sunday. It's like, I don't know, 5 in the afternoon or something on Sundays. I watch the Love Boat on search. I mean, I really mow through it really fast. It takes like maybe 90 seconds. So I like looking for things that are really embarrassing. And it is sort of shocking when you watch... An episode of The Love Boat now and realize that this was the biggest show on television back in the late 70s. It actually passed for entertainment. This story sort of gives me the willies a little bit because it was 144 years ago today, 1879. A guy by the name of Frank Woolworth opened the first five and dime store. That was in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Sold items for no more than 10 cents and he ended up going broke. So then he said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the same thing I'm going to do in a better location ended up becoming one of America's richest men. And I worked in a Woolworths warehouse for two summers while I was in college. The money was really good. I think it was something like two seventy-five an hour. And then we got overtime, and we did work a lot of overtime uh, after hours and also on Saturdays. I was really hauling in the cash back then, and all that money went into college. And I worked in a couple of different warehouses. I worked in one that was... A tin roof and tin walls. It was basically outside. I don't know how else to explain it. So on a loading dock and everything. And that you know, by eleven thirty every morning, even in Chicago where it doesn't get that hot, the sun would heat up that tin roof and it was like 130 degrees in that place and it was dirty. And I found out later in life that my dad did that intentionally. He got me the job there because had I had any silly ideas about quitting school he wanted me to have that experience first so i would think twice about it going end up in a factory like this no way but then i got out of that place and for my final two years in college i worked in that woolworth's warehouse and that was air conditioned and it was clean but you would stand there and you know it sort of looked like if you looked at it real quickly it looked like a water park because there were all these chutes and ramps and those roller things and conveyor belts, and they were up in the ceiling, and then they would swing down. And we would stand there at the bottom of all this, and you would hear the beep, 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 
And that meant, here they come. And just hundreds and hundreds of boxes would come down the chute, and we would take them off the conveyor belt, put them on a giant hand truck, and when the hand truck was full, whoever put the last box on there would wheel it down to the loading dock, and then they would put it on the truck to be sent out to Woolworth stores all across the Midwest. And each box had a code number on it, and that's how you knew which box went on which hand truck and that's what we did i think about it now i'm sure all of it has been replaced by automation probably just put some barcodes on there and the stuff goes to its destination automatically you end up cutting out two steps in the process you don't need anybody at the bottom of a chute and there were like six of us standing there every day that was our job so now you've eliminated those jobs you don't need anybody to wheel the hand truck down to shipping all that's done probably now like i said with barcodes and those guys were scary to be around, though, because I remember there was one guy, we called him High Pockets. He just had like one of those weird bodies where he was all legs and no torso. I don't even know how the son of a bitch bought pants. But yeah, but his nickname was High Pockets. And I remember he would come in in the morning and say, 15 years and 38 days. And you're like, what's 15 years and 38 days? Until I retire. That was all he had to look forward to was his retirement in 15 years that's what kept him going so my dad thought that having me work in the dirty factory would be the thing that would scare me out of any ideas of ever quitting school and it really wasn't it was the Woolworths warehouse where I'd be surrounded by guys who are thinking just 15 more years and I'm out and then I can really start living that'll fuck you up as a 18 year old as of right now here on wednesday morning the only report we have on the submarine missing off the coast of newfoundland is that they they think they picked up some tapping noise but they're not sure that that's coming from the submarine it just could be something coming out of the ocean they're not really sure these people only have about i don't know 20 or 30 hours of breathing air remaining so if this isn't over with a rescue by this time tomorrow it's going to be over a different way. One of those guys has been down there 35 times at a $250,000 crack. So what do you want to do with that math here real quick? 35 times $250,000. $8,750,000 this guy has spent just on going down to see the Titanic. And I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think this obsession with the Titanic is weird. And I think people who are really deeply into it are also weird. I didn't even like the movie. If you're going to do a disaster film, it's got to be more entertaining on some other level. I don't know. I liked the Poseidon adventure more than Titanic. At least you got to see Pamela Sue Martin running around for the entire two hours in a pair of hot pants. Everybody remember those hot pants from back in the 70s? I dug them. But, I mean, just think about the mentality. Oh, a bunch of people died. Let's go stare at it. Wow, imagine how cool that must have been with all those hundreds of people knowing that they were going to drown in the icy waters of the North Atlantic. Let's 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 pay $8 million, $8 million for 35 trips to go down there and stare at it sitting at the bottom of the ocean. I mean, really? Really? What the fuck is that? You want to see a place where there are a lot of dead people? Go to a cemetery. It's free. We have a date set for the Donald Trump trial, assuming that it does happen and it happens on time. I think both of those are unlikelihoods. But anyhow, August 14th is what they're telling us right now. August 14th. I had heard some reference to the trial 
probably lasting about three weeks. Like I said, I'm not expecting too much. Took one of my first trips to Louisville, Kentucky. My younger daughters from my first marriage used to go to a theater camp down in Louisville, and I would go down there and visit them and see the big final production. You know, they'd be in camp for like, I don't know, a month or something like that, and then they would put on a play, and you'd go down and you would watch. Louisville is an interesting town in that I watched it change. When I went down the very first time back in the very early part of the 2000s, it was like, eh, looks a little bit like a sleepy river town. And then they built this entire entertainment district and they have really really good hospitals they have a really nice entertainment district now airport very easy to get in and out of if you're into horse racing needless to say big deal there some very good restaurants but it's a place that really turned a corner about 20 years ago and uh, not a bad looking town these days if you go to the right places they have a lot of crime there too but what else is new it was our trip to Chicago back in 2002, and I have, uh, you know, just just I get the willies thinking about this because by all rights, it should have been your typical average Cubs Cardinal weekend, and we got there, got a nice hotel on the loop, had a little money in my pocket back in those days. Very very pretty gal along with me. We throw down on Friday night, get up on Saturday morning, get to the ballpark nice and early, and you could tell something wasn't right at Wrigley Field. You're like, well, where are the guys working on the field? Nobody's uh, watering down the infield. Nobody's putting the lines down. I don't see anybody warming up. What the hell is going on? But all that actually occurred on tomorrow's date, so I'll deal with it then. And it was on this date, 1985. My sister was in town, and uh, the Cubs were in town playing the Cardinals at the Old Bush Stadium. So we went to the game and saw, I don't know, maybe the first four or five innings, and then jumped in the car and zipped as fast as we could over to the Fox Theater, where we saw, in all honesty, sort of a seminal moment in the history of rock and roll. Building the Perfect Beast Tour, as a matter of fact. If I'm not mistaken, you correct me if I'm wrong, but was that not... The first time that you were on stage solo That's in right. your whole career. That's right. I was scared to death. Well, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I was there that night, and you were great. Thank you were you. terrific. You were on the gun belt, I still remember. You had something, some yeah, sort of a gun belt. I gave on. that up pretty quickly. That, <laughs> that, weighed, that weighed about 30 pounds. You know. So, so have we just been lucky, that, uh, and it's been a coincidence that you've opened both times? It's uh, been a coincidence, Louis? I think, and it's, a, it's great, though, because I will never forget the warm reception I got on my first night as a solo artist. That was us clapping. We, yeah, we clapped both a you guys, lot. You, you clap we, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> we were leading them. We were leading them. Um, let's talk a little bit about. Uh, we, you know, we ran your your special when the album "The End of the Innocence" was released. But you got very much into it too. And I always wonder. And I know that's what being an artist is all about, kind of bearing your soul for the masses. Mm. But uh, no, not really. It's kind of a, mm, a skeptical mm, from Don Henley. You take it from there. No, being an artist is about a lot of different things, you know, but uh, songwriting is basically trying to, to write the truth about what you feel and about the things that you've learned in your lifetime. And uh, so, we, yeah, we talked about some of those things. Some days you feel like it, some days you don't. You know? <laughs> the unmistakable voice of Don Henley right there, the Eagles. And 1985, memories of 1985, that conversation was actually from 1990. And this morning, here on the first day of summer, your Crocs can shrink if you leave them in a hot car, then again, if you're wearing Crocs, as far as I'm concerned, you sort of deserve anything that happens to you. And with that, 
The J.C. Corcoran Podcast for Wednesday, June 21st, 2023 is in the can. We are here every weekday morning at 11 a.m., Monday through Thursday at jconthelinecom You can email me at jc at jconthelinecom Facebook the showgram with J.C. Corcoran. Spread the word. And also, uh, make sure you listen to the morning radio show now every morning on K-Wolf from 5.30 until 10 o'clock at 101.5 in the city and 101.7 West and beyond. Or you can listen online at kwolf.com with the U-K-W-U-L-F.com. 5.30 to 10 every morning. And then here on the podcast, you have a great day. In the meantime, we've beaten this one to death. Have a good one. See you later. Bye. The J.C. Corcoran Podcast.